everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Scene Stealers Podcast. This is Trevin McGee with Eric Moline. How's it Scenestealers.com. There you go. I'm Trevin from McGee from Lawrence.com. That's correct. We should introduce each other. <laughs> yeah, we should also leave outgoing voicemails where we finish each other's... Sentences? Sandwiches. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. So All what right. are we going to talk about today? Well, I'll tell you, Eric. We're going to talk about the Golden Globes. We're going to recap. Yeah. We're going to rewrap. Yeah. Repackage. Yeah. And you know, the Golden Globes is timely because the Oscar nominations will be announced Tuesday morning. Yeah. Do you think there are going to be any surprises during the uh, Oscar announcements? No. Yeah. I don't either. It's been a pretty standard year. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the Globes real fast. Then we're going to move on and talk about a movie that Eric had the good fortune of seeing this week, No Strings Attached, the Ashton Kutcher, Natalie Portman vehicle yep. directed by Ivan Reitman. There you go. And then I'm going to talk about the movie I put myself through this week, Spice World, the Spice Girls um, train wreck. And then we'll talk about other movies of that ilk. It was a big year for 3D movies. Toy Story, Despicable Me, Tron. Seems like everything this year was three-dimensional. Except the characters in The Tourist. Um, I, I feel bad about that joke. I, no, no, I'll tell you what, I'm jumping on the bandwagon because I haven't even seen The Tourist. Who has? Um, but no, it must be good because it's nominated, so shut up, okay? And I'd like to quash this ridiculous rumour going round that the only reason The Tourist was nominated was so the Hollywood Foreign Press could hang out with Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie. That is, that is rubbish. That is not the only reason. They also accepted bribes. So uh, I think the number one thing um, that we need to talk about first uh, is Ricky Gervais was the host. Yeah. And uh, this year, more than last year, uh, even so much, uh, he was um, derided, uh, criticized, um, and, and, and basically just kind of turned into a pariah for uh, not just making fun of uh, the people that were there uh, in, in, at the actual ceremony, you know, right. the big Hollywood crowd, um, but... It seems like he went a little bit farther this year. I think the mean-spirited tone, as uh, as Robert Downey Jr., who is usually a good sport about those type of things, mentioned, yeah. uh, was really evident this year. And, oh yeah. And and I actually saw an interview with with uh, Gervais, um, where he said, you know, uh, last year I made a lot of uh, jokes and made made a lot of fun of people, um, and they asked me back. So I guess I didn't do my job. So I'm going to make sure that this year I do it right. Uh, yeah. Because if they ask me back, that means I failed. Right. And I don't think he's going to be asked back. No, although he, already the ratings, said he, he already said he won't do it. Okay. Well, the ratings were up this year, so yeah. they would be kind of dumb not to because it actually gave people something to talk about since the awards themselves were so predictable. So predictable and boring in the show itself. I mean, we talked about it. It's a joke. Anytime Johnny Depp is nominated for the best comedic performance for Alice in Wonderland, you know, like... <laughs> or The Tourist. Or The Tourist. Both. Yeah. You know, you got to give him credit, man. At least when they cut to Johnny Depp after uh, Gervais made the joke about uh, people being uh, bought off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's that big scandal uh, that broke the day before the Globes where uh, it came out, somebody suing them, uh, and, and the FCC might have to get involved because they say that the uh, voting members of the Golden Globes have been known to take bribes. 
And the tourist was the uh, real head scratcher this year as to why it even got nominated. So Gervais made a joke about it, and they cut to Johnny Depp. And at least he was he was laughing, but it was a forced laugh. Yeah. Uh, uh, my favorite uh, Gervais intro of the night, uh, by far, was uh, when he came out and he said, "My next guest is, uh, or our next presenter is responsible for ten of the biggest movies of all time, in which he's shown a wide, wide range uh, of his acting ability. He played a boxer, and." Rambo. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. That was and good. Stallone had this stone face. Like, he was just like, I'm not amused. Yeah. So I thought I liked, that was hilarious. I liked the Ashton Kutcher's dad one. one yeah, for that was good. Willis. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think back to the to last year's, and the only time I, I can really remember him saying something as as biting as the stuff he was doing this year was when he introduced Mel Gibson because he said, you know, it's true I like to have a drink. It's true I like a drink as much as the next guy. Unless the next guy is Mel Gibson, and then <laughs> yeah. Mel Gibson came out and did an intro, and that was pretty great. But he did it on pretty much. I mean, you know, after his opening remarks, every uh, time that he came up to the podium, he was just introducing mm-hmm. the next presenters, and he had chosen because he didn't talk about what he was going to do ahead of time with the producers. He had chosen these uh, introductions specifically because he had a joke to make fun of a celebrity. Right. So enough about the actual, or enough about the uh, the controversy i guess surrounding it let's actually talk about some of the winners we pretty much quickly play (laughs) you're right right. we pretty much picked all the winners um it was it was you know very predictable with uh uh david fincher winning and aaron Mm -hmm. sorkin winning for the social network trent reznor winning for score with atticus ross for the social network um and then you know the big the big nominees uh, this year, of course, uh, Natalie Portman for Actress for Black Swan. Um, the Actor Award went to Colin Firth, just like everybody expected. Yeah. Uh, my pick was Melissa Leo for Supporting Actress for the Fighter. Yours was Amy Adams and Trevin? You were right. Thank it you. was M- Melissa Leo won that one. And then uh, Supporting Actor, of course, went to Christian Bale, who pretty much has the Oscar in his hand unless yeah. he uh, has another uh, tape of an outburst uh, on a set leaked between now and uh, late February. And uh, the Best Picture Award, I picked an upset. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun. Uh, not fun, actually, because I didn't like the King's Speech as much as the I really like how you justify how you were wrong. I, I, I was wrong. Trevor, you means, were right. Yeah. yeah. So Social Network did win. And uh, I just thought, you know, the Golden Globes are kind of... Ho-hum. Um, yeah, well, no, I, they're they're kind of silly, I think, and so I thought maybe they'd get that one wrong, but they didn't. They got it right. No. So Social Network, Social Network's really on track to win the Oscars at this point, but a lot can happen between now and then. Like you said, the Oscars is the last award show. It's a long award season, yeah. and at one point, people are going to get tired of going to these things and hearing about Social Network winning everything. So there's a possibility that it might pull uh, a, a Brokeback Mountain and maybe something uh, really lame uh, like Crash could sneak up and, and, and take it from Social Network. Um, and I think at this point, the King's Speech, which is a big hit with audiences and critics right now, it's making a lot of money at the box office and a lot of good word of mouth, still has the possibility to sneak in. Unfortunately, my pick from last year, Toy Story 3, looks like it's just going to win animated feature again mm-hmm. and will not be the first uh, animated movie to win. Uh, best picture, so it Which looks like I'm going to play your writing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, all, all you did to win that one was say, that's not going to happen. <laughs> did you have a good time last night? It's all right. Nothing special. Hey, Adam, you left your socks in my room. Did I? Hey, champ. Hey, what happened last night? You made my body hurt so much. Mm, your app. Emma. 
Did I have sex with anyone in this apartment last night? No, you didn't. <laughs> so I just passed out on your couch? Yeah, you were naked and crying. Do you like her? I can't date her. She's my oldest friend. Hey, we're having sex. I know. Did you have sex with Emma? No. Yes. Wow. I'm a doctor. I work 80 hours a week. I need someone who's going to be in my bed at 2 a.m. who I don't have to eat breakfast with. I hate breakfast. Good. That's from Emma. Where are you? You want to come back strong here. Like, where am I? Why don't you check your underpants? Yeah. Yeah. Don't write that. Maybe we should establish ground rules. No lying, no jealousy. Don't list me as your emergency contact. I won't call it. Don't ask me what I think about your body. Deal. I can't focus on my porn with all this real sex going on around me. <laughs> you probably shouldn't snuggle. Yeah, that just felt wrong. I think I'm falling for her. That's a horrible idea. You're living every guy's dream right now. Why would you mess that up? I really like you. Mm. You always find these perfect guys, and then you're like, it'll never work. I think monogamy goes against our basic biology. Go hook up with someone else. You're kidding. Okay. I'm gonna call every girl in my phone until someone agrees to have sex with me. Toast to that. That is a terrible self-destructive plan, and we're behind you 100%. Adam? You are such an overachiever. Thank you. Go on a date with me. One date. Yeah! Why can't we just have sex? You can't fight me. You're miniature. You fight like a hamster. Um, no strings attached. This is a romantic comedy starring Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, Kutcher. Uh, directed by Kutcher. Am I supposed to say Kutcher? I you say whatever you want. What would you say? Kutcher. I would say really Kutcher. I'm gonna say Kutcher. Okay. Ashton Kutcher. I better All get right. that right because I'm about to go on uh, TV in a couple hours and say the same thing. <laughs> so okay. Well, is it really Kutcher? I'm, I've always heard it Kutcher. I've always. I've always Maybe now Kutcher. would be a good time to tell people um, about our Google that, Voice thing so that they can call in and correct me. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. Kutcher well, or Kutcher? Kutcher you tell or us. Kutcher. You tell Eric. And uh, we now have a number you can call and leave us messages at and, uh, or you know, comments or tell us we're terrible. Um, and that number is 913. 913- 912-3371. What was that, Trevin? I said 913-912-3371. What that's going to do is it's going to uh, give you a message. Uh, you can record your message for us, and then we can play it on the air next week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Kutcher or Kutcher? That's uh, one question we need answered, and you could tell us uh, what you thought of uh, No Strings Attached or any of the other things we talked about, or if there's something you'd like us to cover and talk about. Scene Stealers podcast, interactive. So, back to No Strings Attached. Kutcher and Portman Mm -hmm. actually have quite a bit of chemistry together, which was really interesting. I think Kutcher is the kind of guy who, uh, (laughs) he shakes his head every time I say that, who who, uh, has been in so many mediocre romantic comedies that he's almost the template. It seems like he's taken over for Matthew McConaughey uh, when it comes to being the male lead uh, in these generic kind of romantic comedies. Um, of course, Natalie Portman is stepping in for Katherine Heigl sure. uh, as, as uh, the romantic lead. But, you know, this movie, like you said, it was directed by Ivan Reitman. Now, Ivan Reitman uh, made a movie in 2006 that I didn't see called My Super Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> 
with uh, Uma Thurman. You did see it. Yeah. And Luke Wilson. Yeah. And I heard it was terrible. And Rain Wilson, but yeah, it was terrible. Okay. Here's Before the premise. That, Here's the premise. Um, a guy dates a um, sort of frumpy, um, unappealing lady, breaks up with her, turns out, ooh, superhero. Yeah. She's a superhero. Okay. And so she handles it very immaturely. There's no message to the movie other than that women are crazy, and that's that's the the gist of the movie. And, and it's just an excuse for her to throw poorly computer-generated um, sharks through windows into his living room. And wow, do, yeah, it's a, it's a bad movie. Well, you know, and and for honestly, that one and, and the one that he did before that in 2001, which is a really long time ago, I had wondered why I hadn't heard anything from Ivan Reitman in a while called Evolution with David McCovney <laughs> and Julianne Moore. That was a, a train wreck as well. Uh, it was special effects kind of comedy with aliens Ghostbusters with aliens. Yeah. And, and, Except and, and not so, funny. So Reitman's the guy, uh, you brought it up first, that did go- Ghostbusters. He, he made his name with Stripes and Ghostbusters back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continued with big hits like Twins with Schwarzenegger and DeVito, uh, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop. Uh, and he did this, this little movie Dave with Kevin Klein and Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver, which was great. I mm-hmm. thought that was a really fun movie. Uh, and then he just kind of sank with uh, films like Junior, where Schwarzenegger's Pregnant, uh, Father's Day um, with Robin Williams, uh, Six Days and Seven Nights, a really generic kind of mildly annoying romantic comedy with Harrison Ford and Anne Heche. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's really been on the outs for a long time while his son, Jason Reitman, has been doing things like getting nominated for Oscars for Up in the Air and Juno, which was up for Best Picture some years back. So it's really interesting to see Reitman back um, and what's really interesting, especially after what you just said about my super ex-girlfriend, is that No Strings Attached is a more muted and, dare I say, subtle movie mm-hmm. than most of the high-concept romantic comedies that are out there right now. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the idea, which is high-concept, which is that uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher actually do a relationship in reverse. They start by having sex. Sure. They have a lot of sex. It's no strings attached sex. And they're saying, we're not going to get into a relationship. This is because she's a medical student. She's really busy. Uh, He obviously wants a relationship. And so what happens is there's this push and pull where she keeps pushing him away. It's also nice to have the girl uh, in in this kind of a role and have the guy be kind of the, the, you know, the the one that needs love. Because so many times in these romantic comedies, uh, the only thing that can make a girl complete is a good man. Right. You know, and that's that gets a little bit old. So they've they've reversed the roles that way. And then they've reversed the structure of the film so that it starts with the sex and ends with them trying to have a relationship um, and make that work. And yeah. and that's pretty interesting as well. But what's really nice is, is uh, the cast is populated by people like Greta Gerwig, uh, who who comes from uh, the independent uh, Mumblecore movies. Recently she was in Greenberg with Ben mm-hmm. Stiller. And she's just, there's nothing, there's not a false bone in her body. Like everything she does is really natural and really real. Uh, Lake Bell, uh, who's on this TV show, Children's Hospital, right now, um, <laughs> which is crazy, uh, uh, is plays this really neurotic uh, Hollywood uh, woman, and she almost steals the movie. She's not in that many scenes, but she's really funny. And and um, uh, this movie was written by Elizabeth Merriweather, who uh, has written an episode of Children's Hospital and kind of came up in the same uh, moment that Diablo Cody came up uh, when Juno was a big deal. Elizabeth Merriweather was one of the uh, the new breed of, of female screenwriters mm-hmm. that were supposed to, you know, kick ass and and take names in Hollywood. And 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 so, Reitman does have a little bit of the standard 
rom-com stuff in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just enough there to keep kind of a mainstream audience interested. But I thought that there was also enough relationship stuff. And and I think Natalie Portman really brought a lot to her role because the whole movie really centers around her, not Ashton Kutcher. Uh, It's it's, uh, her, you know, having to constantly push people away for fear of getting hurt and it's this is like a pattern in her life it's what she does so does she does she rise above like the you know it's it's become a um a coined phrase at this point but does she rise above like the manic pixie dream girl she's definitely not a manic pixie dream girl because she's kind of a nightmare she's not she doesn't make everything better when she's around she demands uh that that this person be uh be around when she wants to have sex on her breaks and that he's that he's not around and uh at other times and and it becomes you know a, a, a drain on on Ashton Kutcher's character. Um, meanwhile, you know, his, his friend is, is starting to actually have, like, a real romance, and, and that makes it worse. The, the, the bad thing about this movie, it's a little bit long, uh, and there's a subplot that just does not work at all. And this is the obvious stuff. Like, when you see the romantic comedy and everything's just shoved in there to make the audience laugh, and it's, oh, it's so outrageous, mm-hmm. right? This is a rated R movie, so there's a lot of sex talk in it and frank stuff like that. But Kevin Klein is in the movie, and he plays... Um, this guy, this famous actor who was on a TV show called Great Scott, and he is really full of himself, and he starts dating uh, Ashton's uh, girlfriend mm-hmm. before Portman, right? So uh, there's this big conflict between them, uh, and and Klein is a great actor, and he's trying really hard to do something here, but every scene that they have together uh, rings false. Um, it doesn't really work. And it's just not funny. It seems like it's from a different movie. It's like yeah. uh, like he, th- he thought he needed to throw these more obvious beats in there. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is, you know, this, this awesome layered romantic comedy that, you know, is just, you know, so much different than everything else. But it's mildly different than everything else. And Portman really sells her role. Kuchar is charming. Uh, and it's just funny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's it's just funny enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 not a, a laugh a minute, you know, and it's not outrageous or anything. It's a little muted. And yeah. and frankly, I was surprised at how much I liked it. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 going to give No Strings Attached a minor rock fist up. And I think that uh, this is a romantic comedy uh, that that you shouldn't be ashamed about seeing. And right. and one note, real quick, um, the previews. Look, make it look like everything else. Oh, it makes it awful. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's, it's, it's not. So. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing anything you say based on the sheer number. It's, it's like being over-advertised, and right. all the advertisements are just, uh, they're, they're horrible. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to stomach most of them. You know, they're, they're, they're not trying to sell this to us. They're trying to sell it to the crowd that would normally go see a picture like this. I think all those people are going to go, and I think that the yeah. word of mouth will make more people go. It's not a great movie, but it's not a terrible one. Uh, and it's the best movie I've ever seen with Ashton Kutcher in it. Mm-hmm. Can I say that? I, I don't Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, it's a bold statement. So I don't know. Apparently, you haven't seen The Butterfly Effect. So <laughs> I have <laughs> seen The Butterfly Effect, and that is a story, a talk for another day. It's chaos theory, man. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> stand that movie. But um, while we're on the subject of bad movies, let's move on to what I did. So while you're watching um, Natalie Portman sashay around and next to nothing or maybe nothing i don't know i got to watch the spice girls run around 1997 era london in a spice world when the world is in trouble when our future is in danger we call upon one man but when he's busy he calls five girls 
Columbia Pictures presents The Spice Girls. All right, we're coming. In their film debut, Victoria, Emma, Mel B, Jerry, and Mel C. They're ready for action. Go, power! They're dressed to kill. And thoroughly prepared for any encounter. It's a story of love. I think with boys, you should be able to just wheel them in. Yeah, and order them like a pizza. Yeah, no cheese. Compassion. It's really too hot in here. I need a fan. And misunderstanding. When the speeding melon hits the wall. No! It's Christmas for the crows. What did he say? I haven't a clue. Oh, look, you knickers, girl! There's more like it! Make your choice. Oh, I like the blonde one. No, 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 no. Sporty. Rock your world. Hello! And spice up your life with the Spice Girls. Spice World. Yeah, but can they act? Um, blah, 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 um, girl power, feminism, do you know what I mean? The thing about the movie is there's absolutely, there, there's really not a plot. Um, there are these snippets of several other plots that if time had been spent on and, and expanded would have filled an entire movie. But there's five or six different little subplots. I won't, won't even call them subplots. They're like subplot because they're not even <laughs> finished. They're not even finished. And so the, the, they've got to go to this dance academy, and uh, um, some Barrymore that I'd never heard of is Mr. Step, and he teaches them how to dance. And um, even though they already knew how to dance, they've got to go to another dance academy. They um, have this friend, Nicola, who's pregnant, and so they follow her around, and then she, she's like really, she's overdue. And then she's going to make them all godmothers at the same time. And that's a, that's a subplot. And then she has her baby, and that's another subplot um, that doesn't really go anywhere. And um, they put a bunch of kids' lives at stake at one point um, in, a, in a motorboat in the Thames. Um, we should or, mention that, uh, that Trevin Thames, watched Thames. this movie for his column, Insomniac Movie Theater, in which he stays up very late and watches bad movies. Yeah, and this was a bad one. Um, but really, uh, the creepiest thing, looking back at it now and watching it now, also I should note that there's there's a ton of cameos that are just embarrassing now, I'm sure. Bob Hoskins cameos as himself. He, uh, um, Jerry Hollowell transforms into him. That's her superpower. What? It, yeah, there's this weird... Um, they have sort of a, like, what if we did, a, what if we did an action movie <laughs> um, sort of side note where they cut to them all doing sort of... Um, Spice Girl based action stuff. Yeah. And hers, she's a master of disguise. And so oh, of course she, she goes is. into a phone booth and spins around like Wonder Turns Woman. Into Dana Carvey. And comes out and she's pistachio disguisey. Wow. Uh, she you know, com- I, she I comes should, out and she's Bob Hoskins. And I should mention that I've seen this movie. I actually saw it in the theater in 1997. Mm-hmm. I remember very little about it except that I went in thinking it was going to be horrible and was pleasantly surprised that it was kind of fun. Yeah, I will give it credit for this. It doesn't take itself seriously right. at all. And um, it totally acknowledges that it's a movie and that everything they're doing makes it Do they break the sense. fourth wall and it, uh, talk the to the end, audience and at stuff? At the very, very end during the credits, they, they like do all this stuff and they, they look at the camera and start talking to the, to the people in the theater and then they're like, oh, and we're also going to be on video. What do you guys... They, they mentioned video. 
Nice. That, and say, you know, what are you guys doing on, what are you guys doing, or what are you watching, or your living room looks nice. And So how many uh, songs? I mean, I'm assuming, I don't remember, there are a lot of song performances? No. Uh, there's three. That's really weird. They're, and they're not, none of them are complete. That's really except, weird. Except, wait, let me rephrase. One, the last one, I think, is a complete performance. But the rest no of them No wonder the movie's so overstuffed. Yeah. Watching this now, almost 15 years after it came out, and, and looking back at the, the Spice Girls and the whole girl power thing, the creepiest element of the entire girl power Spice Girls experience is Baby Spice. Oh, you mean Britney Spears? No, I mean, you know what I mean, Emma Bunton, Baby Spice. Yeah, I mean, when like, Britney Spears came out, she was wearing, you know, schoolgirl outfits in her right. first video and totally sexualized. Right, but th- it, this is creepier to me because... You know, Britney was in high school, so they could kind of get away with it and make her look like a high school oh, student because she actually yeah. was. Emma, whatever, Baby Spice was a fully, you know, like 20, 21 year old at least when the Spice Girls started. She was legal, and they proceeded to make her look like um, a tween. And dress her up in the little cutesy pigtails so and little, she's Lolita. little yeah, little cocktail dresses. And then the whole movie, she's got this obsession with stuffed animals, and she's always got a sucker mm-hmm. in her mouth. And so she keeps making all these references. And at one point, she says like, "My best friend's my mom," and all this kind of stuff. And it's like every other Spice Girl, I get who they're trying to appeal to, but that one is clearly for pedophiles <laughs> and fans of barely legal porn. Those are the only people that, that Baby Spice applies to. Because who else would be like, oh, man, I really would like it if someone was, like, super innocent and naive. That's a really <laughs> that's a really hot set of character traits for me to gravitate towards. And it's really, it's really eerie that someone thought of that and then someone made a grown woman go through with that. Yeah. Well, you know, so here's the thing, right? I mean, the template for a movie like this is really a hard yeah, day's this hasn't been Yeah, this hasn't been done before. I mean, it's, this isn't new. It's been done before. Right, right. <laughs> this, this hasn't. This is the most original movie I've ever I've ever original. seen. When they talk to the camera, I'd never seen that done in a movie before. So right, in, in a hard day's night, uh, you know the Beatles are famous. They're mm-hmm. playing themselves. Uh, they're running down the street. There's hordes of, of girls chasing after them, mm-hmm. and then each character is playing. You know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. They're all playing themselves. But it's like this hyper-realistic version of themselves. And then Richard Lester goes on to basically invent the music video yeah. uh, in, in, in that where um, all sorts of surreal things happen that couldn't happen in real life. And so it sounds like Spice World kind of has that spirit. But do, mm-hmm. are, are the Spice Girls already famous at the beginning of yeah. this movie? Yeah. Okay, so they're a national treasure already. Yeah, they're a national. And they drive around in a double-decker um, bus that's painted to look like the British flag. Of course they are. Well, they're, you know, they're representing. So it really is the sequel, in effect, to Hard Day's Night then. Yeah. The, the, other, the other movie that it's reminding me of right away when you described it was when you said that Jerry Hallowell turns into Bob Hoskins and that that's her superpower. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one of my favorite TV movies of all time, the highest rated TV movie of 1978 uh, on NBC. Uh, that year it was called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. And, and one that's, that's another example where they're playing sort of hyper... Well, uh, yeah, no, they are because they've got superhero t- characteristics, well, I right? I they all have superpowers in real life. They... You're looking for someone. Yes. But it's not Kiss.
So they have these these talismans, and uh, uh, you know they give them their superpowers, and they're in a velvet box, sure. and they glow with light, sure. and they're hidden away so that nobody can find them. Because if somebody were to find them and zap them with a laser gun, with mm-hmm. a ray gun, mm-hmm. with a robot ray gun, mm-hmm. if that were to happen like it does in the film, they would lose their superpowers. Oh, and the best thing about it is that they don't just lose their superpowers. When the guy shoots the talismans with a ray gun, they're in the middle of singing an acoustic version of Beth out by the swimming pool. And Paul Stanley's playing guitar, and he's like, you know, ding, 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 ding. And the guy's like, and he zaps the talismans, and Paul's like, fling, fling, oh, and he can't, can't play the guitar can't play anymore. <laughs> so, That's where uh, all his power resides, isn't that talisman? Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the robot master who makes all the robots that uh, make the theme park so exciting, the phantom of the film's name, uh, eventually uh, clones KISS uh, robots, makes KISS robots, and sends them out on stage to perform. Uh, uh, while Kiss is locked in a in a, a, a laser a jail cell, a laser jail cell, ah. where they, if they touch the, they can't get oh, uh. you know, and they can't get out. And so the the bad Kiss, the robot Kiss, is up on stage, and they change all of Kiss's lyrics to incite a riot, to tear down the park. Yeah, that's the plot. I would see that sounds way better than Spice World to me. I am excited to see your Insomniac movie theater on Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I next week will be watching Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. No. It's undecided it's undecided yet. I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna watch. But if you have a movie you'd like me to suffer through, um, There you go. Go ahead and let us know at nine one three nine one two three three seven one. It's a new thing we're trying out. We want to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um and uh tell us why. Past Insomniacs, I've watched Battlefield Earth, I've watched Clifford. I've watched... Um, that was a challenge for that me. That was a challenge. I watched uh, Tarzan the Ape Man, uh, Barbarella. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've, I've watched a few good ones. I watched The Thing. It was an excuse to write up The Thing. I yeah. watched Thanks Killing. Yeah. Um, holiday movie. Yeah, great holiday. Great holiday flick. Well, maybe we should wrap up the podcast with uh, what's showing in uh, Lawrence Theaters this weekend. Yeah, let's hit it. Um, so one thing I noticed uh, that's playing at Southwind this weekend, which I thought was really odd, uh, A, because there's been no press screening for it, and uh, B, because um, I know that it came out late last year in New York and L.A. for a qualifying Oscar run, and I've since heard nothing about it, is Peter Weir's new movie, The Way Back. Uh, it stars Colin Farrell, and Peter Weir, of course, is uh, the director who gave us films like Witness, Fearless, Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, most recently, Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really austere filmmaker. Um, the Truman Show was another one uh, that he did. Uh, but I think that his movies have, you know, this kind of, uh, I don't know, there's a, a, a usually kind of a, a deep resonance or something emotionally stirring going on in his films. And he's an Australian filmmaker. And uh, I just haven't heard anything about this movie. And the fact that it's showing at Southwind and not Liberty Hall is really strange. There's no press. There's no screening, nothing. So I haven't seen it. It opens up tomorrow. I wasn't even able to, to write about it early and review it. Uh, it'll probably only be here for a week. So if you're a big film fan uh, and you want to go see the new uh, Peter Weir movie, that's at Southwind uh, mm-hmm. starting today. All right. And uh, don't forget, no strings attached. You already no strings about attached. That. Um, what else? The, the Dilemma was here last week. We talked about the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, and then at uh, Liberty Hall, we still have uh, Black Swan and Fair Game. 
yes. going on. And I don't, I don't think either of us could recommend Black Swan anymore. Hmm. They've actually legally uh, put a restraining order on the or an embargo on the amount of times so we can recommend Black Swan. On that note, I'm Trevin McGee. It's Eric Moline, Scene Steelers. Good weekend. <laughs>